Spotlight. Brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. Faster my and welcome to Spotlight. I'm Sarah Hendy and on today's programme, founder of the Manx Lit Fest, John Quirk, talks us through this year's lineup, and Mira Royal speaks to Catherine Nicholl about her roller coaster year so far. to get in touch today the email address is spotlight at manxradio.com or you can message the manx radio facebook page john quirk is our first guest today and he brings news of this year's manx lit fest which takes place from september the 25th to the 30th this year we're really happy with this year's lineup um, it's slightly smaller than it has been the last couple of years but we're going to pack quite a lot into that in six days. Uh, we've got uh, lots of good events um, and lots of variety, I think. For, for we, try, we always try to get something that will appeal to everybody, you know, um, so that when someone, if, if somebody who might even be a casual reader will pick up the programme, hopefully they'll see something in there that will inspire them to come along and, and sort of take part and get involved. Uh, you've got Ben Hegarty coming over again. He's been over before, hasn't he? But yeah, he's making a return. Yeah, he came to the first couple lit fest, I think. Um, certainly the first one. It might have been 2013 or 2014 he came to. Um, when we first heard about Ben, um, a friend of ours at the time said he's, he does a performance of Frankenstein, which he saw in London, and he said it's absolutely brilliant. So we got him across and we sort of said, can you do Frankenstein? Well, I'm not really doing Frankenstein now. I'm doing some other stuff. So we thought, all right, okay. And he was brilliant anyway. And he came back again and he he still wouldn't do Frankenstein because he said, I've kind of done that. And then this year, uh, with it being the 200th anniversary of Mary Shelley publishing Frankenstein, we emailed him and said, look, Ben, come on. (laughs) You've got to do Frankenstein this time. And anyway, he agreed. And um, it's on the Gaiety on the Friday night, um, the 28th of September. And we're, we're really looking forward to that. We've been waiting for this one for sort of seven years to see this. And um, he's a sensational performer. It should be a cracking night. And he's performing on the Gaiety stage as well, which will just add to the drama. Well, yeah, I, I, yeah he's, I, I, don't think he's, um, I don't think he's ever sort of performed on something quite that big. He, t- he tends to do smaller kind of venues, um, more atmospheric in, in terms of the, the sort of the size. But um, we showed him the pictures of the Gaiety and he, his, his one word reply was, wow. So he's looking forward to it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's, he's also doing a show for, for children, which is on uh, Saturday at King's Court Theatre at half four. That's the, the Devil Czar and the Three Dry Biscuits, which he has done before over here six years ago. And it is very funny and very quite dark as well for, for kids. But it's age, ages sort of seven and eight plus. Um, and it should be a good show. And he's doing a storytelling workshop as well for adults on the Saturday morning at King's Court Theatre. The last time he did a storytelling workshop over here, it's, it prompted a, a group of storytellers to get together and start their own group. So he's quite an inspirational guy. We tried to get Chris Riddell a couple of times when he was Children's Laureate between 2015 and 2017. And we, we, we emailed uh, his publishers a couple of times and said, you know, can we bring him across? But he, he was just manic during those two years. He was highly sought after and uh, he couldn't get across. We're conscious that being on the Isle of Man, it takes a little bit more than just popping down the road to the next nearby festival. So we applied again (laughs) on this year and they came back and said, oh, yeah, come on, we'll come this year. So he's coming across with his publicist. Um, He's got three new books out in the the space of a few weeks. Um, The first one is uh, Once Upon a Wild Wood, which is a, a children's picture book. And so we decided to theme the family day that we have each year on his book this year. So that's at Gary Nacloy in St. John's. 
um, and he'll be there. He'll be doing a sort of a draw along with with kids, and he'll be signing copies of the book and, and talking to them. We're really excited about having Chris over. I mean, he's a big, big name. Um, he's illustrator for the likes of Neil Gaiman. He's illustrating uh, J.K. Rowling's The Tales of Beetle the Bard, which is out next month. He's a huge name, and then he's obviously got his own books that he writes as well. He's a busy guy. So he's, he's on the Saturday night at Noah Bakehouse. He's um, got an evening with Chris Fidel, um, Poems to Live Your Life By, which is a new book that he has. He's curated a, a collection of classic and traditional poems, along with modern contemporary poems. He's illustrated the book as well. That should be a really nice night. And then on the Sunday morning, um, he's doing a, an event around the launch of his paperback of Goth Girl and the Sinister Symphony for, for younger readers. Working him hard while he's here, um, but he, I think he'll enjoy it. If if you can bring an author across who who fits several different areas of the festival, both for children, for younger children, for adults as well, then obviously from our point of view, it's a it's a godsend. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Litfest always creates so many opportunities for writers, budding writers, established writers, to to, to get involved in and give things a whirl. What do you have coming up on the workshop front that people can register for and and kind of explore their creativity? In? Yeah, we've got a few this year. On the Wednesday, the 26th of September, uh, we've got two workshops at uh, St Andrew's Church in Andreas. The first one is with Zoe Gilbert, um, the author of uh, debut novel Folk. Um, she's doing a, a writing workshop on spinning new tales from old, which is kind of taking um, sort of traditional folk tales mainly and putting a, a modern-day spin on them to create a, a new story that you can uh, develop. Um, and then the same after, then later on that day at half one, we have the bookshop band who uh, are visiting from Wigton Festival and they are doing a, a literary inspired songwriting workshop. They've produced sort of 13 albums in eight, eight years. They tour around book festivals. They were commissioned by Philip Pullman's publishers to write two songs um, inspired by the Book of Dust, the new um, His Dark Materials book. Uh, so, you know, they've got a very good following around the sort of the book festival scene. Uh, which obviously is huge around the UK now. And um, so they're going to come across, going to do a workshop um, on literary-inspired songwriting. And then later that night, on the Wednesday night, they're going to perform with Zoe, uh, where she talks about the book, and they're going to sing two sets of folk-inspired music, uh, which should be a great night. And that's at St Andrew's Church as well on the Wednesday night. That sounds exciting already. Yeah. Um, but then there's more. Oh, yeah, I know. I was going to say, <laughs> I don't think that's the end. No, uh, on the Saturday morning, as I said, Ben Haggerty is doing a storytelling workshop at half ten till half two at King's Court Theatre. And that's kind of part of Writer's Day. You don't have to be going to Writer's Day to do the storytelling workshop. Um, but if you are going to Writer's Day, you can also do the storytelling workshop. Writer's Day uh, takes place nine o'clock till four o'clock on Saturday, September 29th at King Williams College. Uh, it's the I think we had one every year so far, and it's um, it's always a great day. There's, it brings together a lot of the um, writers from the Isle of Man, in both in terms of those who are published and those who are hoping to be published. We have um, panel discussions, we have uh, master classes, um, sort of uh, with authors talking about the, the the craft of writing, with a kind of workshoppy feel to those as well. And then we've got an agent across again this year. This year's agent is Jonathan Rupin, who started up his own agency about a year ago after working in the book industry for sort of 25 years, selling books and, and working with publishers and things. And again, he's doing 15 pitch slots where writers send him their work uh, in advance. He reads them for a week and then they have 10 minutes face-to-face, one-on-one with him, and they get feedback on their, their manuscript, the first 5,000 words or so. 
and it's all it's invaluable kind of feedback to get that from a, from somebody in the in the business and then he's going to give a talk as well as part of writer's day on the sort of the the uh, probably the job of an agent but also routes to publication for a, for an author and um and and how to sort of you know get ahead in the business really in the trade there does seem to have been sort of a, a real growth in terms of writers on the Isle of Man. There are more writers on the Isle of Man coming forward in recent years. Do you think well, Litfest has a, anything to maybe has inspired people like that? We hope Is so. It, that's, yeah? what, that's what we that's what we set out to do. Um, yeah. I mean, we the, the first year we got Tommy Gillow, um, the performance poet, coming back this year. She's going to she's agreed to be our third patron after joining Alan Bradley and Chris Ewan. And she came across the first festival in 2012, and she kind of inspired us to hold the um, poetry slam. I think it was in the uh, the ship inn in Castletown, which is now closed. And I think there was about sort of 20, 25 people there. I'm not, I'm not sure I wasn't there myself. Uh, it was a good night. And then since then, um, the poetry slam has taken off, and it now packs out Noah Bakehouse every single year. People are sort of clamoring to get in at the door when we, on the night with the night, and. You know, I think there's. I think we've had to cap it at 25 poets performing. The open mic poetry nights happen now regular on a regular basis at uh, the Bath and Bottle. There's a said the storytelling group set up when Ben, Han- ben Hankerty came across, um, inspired by him. Uh, we've got the short stories and ludicrous tales group that started up. They've been going about a year now. So yeah, we we hope that we've inspired them. And that was because that was the job. But certainly there does seem to be a lot more literary action happening in the Isle of Man. I know when I started Litfest. It was because there didn't really seem to be much for writers. There was an awful lot of, you know, great drama, um, great music, a lot of other arts on the Isle of Man. But literature seemed a little poorly served back in sort of 2011 when we first sort of had this idea. And so hopefully we've we've managed to inspire lots of people to, to do more. And certainly the Writers Day, you know, regularly has sort of sort of 30, 40, 50 people turning up to be on, to, to be part of the day. So yeah, there's a. I think there's a good thriving atmosphere now. We've Litfest has just started its own writing group as well. So yeah, there's a, a lot of buzz about it, and uh, long may it continue. Absolutely, and um, you just mentioned Writers' Day again. There, that's not just for people who would already call themselves writers. That's for people who just want to kind of um, explore their writing more as well. Yeah, Writers' Day is for writers of all levels. You can be starting out. You can be have a, have your ma- first manuscript written but not published. You can be a published writer. You know, it's you can never know enough about the writing and the publishing industry. And so even if you've been published, you can always learn more. You know, it's, it's as simple as that. And you're listening to different writers, you listen to different agents, getting a different view, different um, perspective on the publishing industry. So it, it's always valuable, I think, whatever level of writing you're at. We've tried to keep it fluid um, and tried to sort of make it different each year rather than having the same kind of talks each year. This year we've got Rona Halsall and Elizabeth Brooks, who are two Alaman authors, who have both had books published this year. They're doing a sort of a, a pathway to publication, to publication panel, uh, sort of work uh, discussion in the first hour, and that's I mean it's a Q and A as well, so people can get involved and ask whatever questions they've they've got. And then there's going to be two or three master classes, um, which are they're not quite workshops, but it's it is it is interactive in terms of working with the the authors that are giving the talks. And then the talk with the agent at the end of the day is, again, interactive because that's what he's there for, to answer questions. Quiz him. I'm sure people at home are wondering if uh, how they get tickets, how they find out more. Where can, where can they find you? Um, online, mangslipfest.com. Um, we've got a schedule on there. and uh, You can download a copy of the programme. Um, 
and if you look around uh, libraries and bridge bookshop and other bookshops um, you'll find uh, printed copies of our programme as well. The Lit Fest has been running for a number of years now, but these festivals <coughs> don't uh, don't emerge from thin air. It must take a lot to put something like this together. It, yeah, it does. Yeah, we've we've got a we've got a, a good strong committee now, um, and, a, and a big team of volunteers who help out each year. Some of them just you know just come along for the, the actual week of the festival, and um, they whether it's taking tickets or driving authors around or you know looking looking equipment around for us, it, it's all much appreciated. So we've got a good strong team behind us, and uh, and obviously it wouldn't help, it wouldn't work without the support of sponsors and and which which are corporate and individuals sponsors. We get funding each year from uh, the Alman Arts Council and Culture Vannon, who support us, and then you know we've got sort of. The big events like Writers' Day um, is supported by Poker Stars. Um, this year, Estera has come on board for the Schools' Day on the Friday, where we send a team of sort of 10, 15 authors out around about 25 schools over the space of a day or two, delivering workshops and talks and things, inspiring kids to read and write. We're a charity. We, we try to break even each year, and with ticket sales and the sponsorship, it allows us to, to bring across some, some nice authors. to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. Award-winning harpist Mira Royal had a lovely conversation with Catherine Nicholl for Mandate not long ago, where she talked about the sheer excitement of the last couple of months. Well, a couple of weeks ago, we got back from Cambridge Folk Festival, me and my two friends, Reggie Deloso and Owen Williams, and we played at Cambridge on a stage in front of about 2,000 people, and it was so hot and it was amazing being there with um, everyone who, you know, top musicians, top folk musicians like Michael McGoldrick. We managed to get a photo with him and that was incredible being able to meet someone as influential on our playing as that. So, And then after that we went to Crappity Folk Festival as well, which was in front of about 12,000 people, I think, when we, when we were playing and um, it was incredibly incredibly wet so everyone got a bit soaked in the audience but I think we did did a good job all things considered I feel very proud of us yeah and it must be an interesting experience festivals I mean that's different from mm. what you might be used to say if we take as an, as an example playing in the Peel Centenary Centre where even when it's packed out there aren't that many people there festivals must be a completely different animal yes yeah, com- completely different atmosphere because you're playing in front of lots of people but they might they're not necessarily listening closely on what you are saying or playing whereas when you're in like say Peel Centenary Centre it's very like close and intimate and in that way like I sort of feel more nervous when I'm performing at Peel Centenary Centre because I'm more conscious of how I'm playing but I found that at Cropperty it was easier to sort of speak speak to the audience because there was so many of them. You didn't really have anyone to to like focus on, or it was an interesting experience. Does the crowd itself become a bit of an entity in its own right, rather than individuals in the crowd? Yeah, definitely. It's more just faces, really. You, do, you can't really make anyone out because it's, it's like they're sort of so far away from you, and it's a lot easier, I think, to be able to play that way. That you don't actually have to look at anyone whilst you're speaking or playing. And I really enjoyed it, actually. It was, Amazing, amazing time. And you've had a very busy year this year. I mean, fairly fairly phenomenal, really. Mm. Everything's just exploded and taken off. Yeah. I mean, is that difficult to comprehend? Definitely, because I think this time last year, 
I was in a completely different position. And if you'd said, you know, in a year's time, you're going to have played in front of 12,000 people and won BBC Radio 2 Young Folk Award, I probably would have said, I don't believe you. But <laughs> it's been, you know, it, it has been a crazy few months and I've loved it completely. And uh, I think now my A-levels are done, I'll be able to focus completely on my music and I'm looking forward to, to doing that. And you released an EP recently as well. Tell I us have. about that. Well, after my exams are all done, I thought I'd try and whip up a really quick EP so I could bring it to the festivals with me and it's called The Ballad Class Set. It's got it's only got five or six tracks on but I've collaborated with renowned Manx singer Ruth Keggin and we did a really pretty slow Manx air on there and she sings it so beautifully and I also got Ray and Owen to play a few tracks with me so you can buy it now on my Facebook page. In terms of writing, where do you start? Take us back to the beginning when you first sat down and thought, I'm, I'm going to write my own music here, I'm mm. going to write a tune. Where do you start? I think that's a good question, really, because a lot of people like can like get influenced by listening to like other people. So I found my dad played a lot of Jan Tiersen, and he, he's like a French composer in the house. And I found that through listening to him, when I was composing, I was sort of like bouncing off his style in a way. And I think that's probably been... The biggest influence for me is listening to other musicians and seeing how their style is and how that, you know, can influence my style. But um, I think that's when I compose, I don't really have a particular thing in my head. I've tried, like, writing music behind, like, TV scenes or films before, just as pastime. And I've enjoyed doing that, trying to see what music is needed when the scene is scary or happy or anything like that that must be an interesting way of practicing as well it is it, 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 it really um challenges you because it's like you're not composing what you would want in your head you're composing what sounds good like for that so it's i think i really like doing it for the for the challenge rather than anything else and i suppose a lot of people would say the obvious question is why the harp why the harp that is a very good question i I think um, when we were younger, we all used to play penny whistle at school and Mike Bolton up north got us all... When you were good enough for the penny whistle, he would ask us if we wanted to play a different instrument and he happened to ask me to play the harp. Some of my other friends played the pipes or the cello and the bazooki and, and that, I think. From that, we formed our own little folk band and that's really how I got started on the harp. I don't think I realised really how, how far I would be able to get with it but it's really opened up so many opportunities for me and I'm really really grateful that Mr Bolton asked me to play the harp. Is, is it an instrument you sort of gelled with straight away because it is very intricate and, and quite cumbersome to transport? It definitely is I don't think because I remember when I first started I, I was on a, a smallish sort of harp it wasn't as big as the one I have now and it wasn't too bad to begin with and when I was younger I used to think it was like a sort of like game I think to see how well you could play it as opposed to how I see it now is how you play it because you know it's, it's, it's almost a part of yourself and like when you don't play it it feels it feels like weird because you've not played it in so long and you, you feel like something's missing but I do think the size is a definite disadvantage my friend plays a flute and he can just stick it in his backpack and that's him sorted he can go anywhere then but I always have to think, like, how how am I going to get there? Though, can I take it on the train? Though, and stuff like that. So, 
Because that's the thing, travel and transport, public mm. transport in particular, must be must be quite tricky with something that big. Yeah. And when you're wanting to keep it safe as well. Yeah, definitely. Which is why it's a handy to have a very, very generous dad who will drive you everywhere and <laughs> log it around for you. So. <laughs> So what's next for you? Where are you? Where are you off to next? You've done a couple of festivals. You've got the EP out. <laughs> what's next on the horizon for Mirror Royal? There's the the film festival on the Isle of Man, and I'm playing at a concert there on the eighth of September. I have to play a piece that's been like cinematically inspired, so it's exciting. But I don't think I can say any more than that. I just say get your tickets for it immediately. And then I think I'm not going to go to university. I'm going to take a year out and see what happens. See what comes my way so there's there's no danger of you stopping then you're you're gonna carry oh, no, carry de- on with definitely music. not stopping yeah i think i don't know if i'd like ever be able to like stop now because like i say like it, it feels too weird to not practice it, it is a bit of a chore when you first start playing an instrument because you have to force yourself to practice but then once you get into the the, the routine of doing it and you just feel a bit odd when you're <laughs> when you don't like when you go on holiday i always feel a bit odd because i've not played my harp while we're away or something so I, I, I don't think I'd be able to stop playing it.
You can find links to Mira's EP on the Spotlight blog at manxradio.com, but that's all we have time for this week. Do join me again next Wednesday at half past five and have a lovely creative week. Slen you.